0: Thank you very much, Holly and Irene, for ministering in music. You notice in your bulletin the intended message this morning what does habitual resistance yield? We'll pick up on that next week, coming from Mark 12. We'll look at another passage this morning. And for you, Sean, I will use you next Sunday, not this Sunday. And I will tell you why, what I was going to speak on this morning, I will speak on next Sunday in case you wonder. I try to be sensitive to the Spirit, but I also strive to be sensitive to people. And what I was going to share from Mark 12 this morning was going to be a little longer than normal, we're pushing almost 11.30 already. So as we were singing, I enjoyed the singing, and Irene and Holly were singing, I thought we we're going to go to a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. As we seek to live in sensitivity to God, as we seek to live in sensitivity to Christ and to the Spirit of God and living out Scripture in our daily living, something that is mentioned over and over again is the fact that we're in Christ. And I find it interesting that as I was working on some sermons this week, when we that jesus spoke when he was asked a question you know what is the greatest commandment and he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul mind and so on and then love your neighbors yourself and many times we refer to that you know love god love your neighbor but if you ever stop to think about jesus was asked that in the context of when he lived on this earth and he was speaking of the mosaic law And if we stop with what Jesus said there, we stop with the Old Testament. Coming future in Christ's life was his death, his burial, his resurrection, his being seen, his ascension to the Father. Love God, yes. Love your neighbor, yes. And know Christ. Because we're in Christ. Ephesians and Colossians are particularly rich in who we are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul, speaking to the saints, and notice they're called saints. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, speaking to saints, And a common greeting in quite a few of his epistles is grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. In him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance under the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. As you read through Ephesians particularly chapters 1, 2, and 3, you will find over and over again, the writer talks, Paul talks about in Christ, who we are in Christ, with Christ, being joined with Christ. And what happens when a believer, or when a sinner rather, repents of sin and trusts in Christ, they're placed into Christ. So for sake of illustration, allow this container to represent Christ. And I know we can't confine Christ to container. But for sake of illustration, we will allow this container to represent Christ. We'll allow this block to represent you. The Spirit of God convicted you, drew you to himself, or drew you to Christ. You repented of sin and put your faith in Christ. At that time, you were placed into Christ. And whether it be you or some other believer, we're placed into Christ. And those that are placed into Christ become the body of Christ. What happened to Christ happened to the believer. So when Christ died on the cross, who else died? The believer in Christ. When Christ arose from the dead, who else arose from the dead? Christ. When Christ ascended to his Father, who else ascended? The believers. What happened to Christ happened to us because we're in Christ. Christ. And Paul emphasizes that truth in Ephesians to drive home the point that when you get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, that living, worthy of our calling, being humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, along with other things in 4, 5, and 6, are possible because we're in Christ. See, in and of ourselves, we can't live in sensitivity to God. Our life is in Christ. And in verse 3 he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. And I would emphasize heavenly realms. We're talking about the realms above. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has blessed And since Adam and Eve, God has desired to bless humans. It's one of his passions. So he blesses believers where in the heavenly realms? We're dealing with unseen or spiritual blessings. But they're in Christ. Now he says, every spiritual blessing. If you have a container that has all kinds of Blocks, And you take the container and you put all the blocks, all the items in the container. Perhaps a stupid question is, when I get them all in, what is left on the table? None of them. God has blessed the believer in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He can't give any more. We have it all. All the blessings we've been given. Can't get any more. So sometimes jokingly, when I sneeze, someone will say, bless you. And I'll say, I've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. I can't get any more. Spiritually, I can't. I'm not saying it's wrong to say that to someone, but God has given us everything. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, and is in Christ. Now, he goes on to describe some of them in verse 4. For he, God, chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. So go back. In time, before creation, God chose the believer in Christ to be holy and blameless. So a question for a couple of you. Do you claim to be Perfectly holy and blameless at this point in time. Arden, would you say you're totally holy and blameless at this point in time? Yes. Okay, follow-up question. In all your thoughts and actions, are you taught always holy and blameless? But before God, that's already true. And one day in the future, this guy who admits that he's not totally holy and blameless will be presented to God holy and blameless. When did that take place? Before the creation of the world. In God's mind, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I think all of us would fit the same category as Arden. Positionally, going to be presented holy and blameless. In practice, we have not arrived to that point. But we're in Christ, one of those items that is coming, one of those spiritual blessings. In verse 5, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. Fairly long sentence there, but in love, he, God, predestined, predetermined, we're going to be adopted as his sons. A parent does not know exactly what their child is going to be like before birth. And with technology today, we can know if it's male or female, and you can do some other testing and know some of the problems that they're going to have. Birth is one thing. Adoption is another. See, God, in Christ, adopted us knowing what we're like before He adopted us. So, I would invite one of you, I could invite one of you, but they wouldn't let you in to go to Luzerne County Prison with me when I visit there sometime. And suppose we went to the front desk and I said, I got someone with me today, will you allow them to come with me? And they okayed it, which I know they wouldn't because you aren't on the list. But we go to the interview room and I get into the interview room and I call one of the inmates, or they call one of the inmates down and I chat with them and then I say, now I'd like to go into the cell block. I want you to let me go into the cell block where all the really, really bad ones are. And the guy says, we don't have any really, really bad ones here. They're all really, really bad. But anyway, he lets me go into the maximum there. And you're with me. And we sit down and talk to one of the inmates. He says, yeah, I'm in here for murder. I willfully, intentionally pounded the face of my child in and I killed my child. And if you aren't careful, you might be next, but I know I'll get in trouble, so I won't. And talk to another one and he says, Well I'm in here, I'm a sex offender. I abused little girls. They got me for three of them. They don't know about the rest. I'll get life. And we end up talking to another one. And he says, I'm just a mean, angry man. My first wife couldn't stand me because I beat her up so often. And then another lady was willing to marry me, and I beat her up. And I'm in here because I really hurt my wife. And I say, okay, that's enough. We'll leave. And as we're walking out of the jail and driving home, you say, boy, we got some rough characters in there. I say, yeah. But have you stopped to consider that you're in the same boat with them? Every human is separated from God. You may not have done the actions they did, but you're still separated from God. Because of what? Or because we're in Adam. And then I turn around and say, I want you to know that I'm planning to adopt those three men. And you look at me and say, Pastor, Are you crazy? I say, no. That's what God did with me. I was dead in my transgressions and sins. I followed the God of this world. I followed the ways of this world and followed the desires of my own sinful nature. All of us did that. Ephesians chapter 2. God, in love, predestined us to be adopted. As his sons, his daughters, if you please. Knowing what sinful people we were, but in love, he adopted. And he goes on in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons in accordance with his pleasure and will. It was God's pleasure to take the sinner, to take us who are by nature separated from God who love our sin. And it was his will but for the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us. So I take that guy who's a murderer and introduce someone and introduce him and say this is my son. And you say, Isn't that the guy that was in the paper a number of times for murder? Yeah, but I adopted him. And you say, Man, you must be a gracious man. Well, that's what God is saying. I've taken you who are separated from God, who are dead in your transgressions and sins, those of you who love the ways of the world, follow the God of this world, follow your own sinful desires, and I have adopted you as my son. It's my grace. There was nothing in you that made me adopt you. It was because of my grace. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves in Christ. In our country, for quite a few years, people have been adopting children from other countries. And I'm thinking particularly of some that would have come from Africa and some of the turmoil and agony that they have been through. Knowing they're getting a child who has been through all kinds of difficulty, but yet in grace adopting. I think adoption is one of the neatest things in the world. Where you choose... To make someone your legal heir. That's what God did. One of the blessings we have in Christ. In Him, in verse 7. In Christ, we also have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In Christ, redemption. The idea of redemption is to buy out. So what did God do? He bought the sinner out of slavery to sin, from being separated from God, along with other items. He redeemed him, bought back. That's the idea. Because you go back to the beginning of time, Adam and Eve related to God. They sinned. And because we're in Adam, we're separated from God. But what did God do? He redeemed. He bought us back. I may have mentioned this in the past. There was a little boy years ago. He had a little boat, and he would take it to the stream. And he would put his boat in the stream and let it go, and he would, you know, run after it and catch it. Well, one day, the boat got away from him. And he cried and lost his boat. <clears throat> Weeks later, he was walking downtown and saw in the shop a boat. He said, that's my boat. So I went into the shopkeeper and he said, that boat you have there is my boat. Shopkeeper said, no, it isn't. It's mine. I want my boat back. It's my boat. If you want it, you have to pay for it. The little boy went out and he worked and he saved some money. and He went into the shopkeeper and said, can I have my boat? He said, no, it's my boat. If you buy it, you can have it. And the boy gave him the money and bought the boat. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God had a felt relationship and fellowship with Adam and Eve. They chose to sin. The boat went down the stream. Christ came along, said, I claim those people. And God said, what's the price you've got to pay? It's your death. He redeemed. He bought us from slavery to sin and so on. That's one of those blessings that we don't deserve. And then the whole idea of forgiveness. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The idea of forgiveness is removed from our record our sins, not holding against us any longer. Ruth and I have lived together over forty-two years. I have offended her numerous times along the way, and likewise with me but if you were to come to me and say pastor can you tell me the last time Ruth Ann hurt you I would have to say I really don't know well has she ever hurt you I think she has yeah positive she has she's human do you remember the last one no do you remember the one before that no well, can you tell me any? And I'm going to have to honestly say, I really don't know. You say, how can it be that way? Because when Ruthann hurts me, she seeks forgiveness, and I forgive her, and I remove it from my record. That doesn't mean I never think about, well, she hurt me along the way, and, but I, it's not on my radar. I let it go. That's the idea of forgiveness. So if you were to go to God and say, God, punch my name into your computer, and I'm not convinced God has a computer, and says, tell me about my sins, you would say, I'm sorry. I have no record of your sins. I have forgiven you. I don't hold them against you. But God, you know I might sin against or sin again. Yes, you might. But when I forgive you, I don't require you that you never sin again because Christ paid the penalty. In Him, we have that redemption, that forgiveness in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God, with wisdom, with skill, with understanding, poured out His grace which makes redemption and forgiveness possible. It's God's unearned favor. We never do anything to obtain redemption or forgiveness. God in grace gives it to us. It's unearned. We don't deserve it, but yet he gives it. And then we could go on, but we won't this morning talks about other things that we have in Christ my challenge to you is if you're a believer is to meditate much on who you are in Christ don't see yourself as a sinner see yourself as a saint one who has been Blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. One who's going to be presented to God holy and blameless. One who has been adopted. One who has been redeemed. One who has been forgiven. But don't stop there. See other believers the same way. Those who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Those who have, are going to be presented to God holy and blameless. Those who have been adopted those who have been redeemed and forgiven. So when Paul says in Ephesians 4, I urge you then, live worthy of the calling you have received. That is possible because we're in Christ. We live out the word of God in Christ. Christ. God extended grace so that we can live in Christ as men, as women, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as children, as students, as drivers, as shoppers, as employees, as employers in Christ. 24-7. Permanent unchanging for God's glory Father we thank you for what we have in Christ grateful that it's not about us it's about your praise, your honor, your glory because of Christ and what he has done and what we have in him impress upon us through your spirit at work in us the greatness of our calling in Christ. And Father, though those present this morning that don't grasp or have never come to faith in Christ, and not they are not in Christ, may they see and understand and through your Spirit's conviction what they can have in Christ. It's His name I pray, amen.